of all the characteristics um, that we can be, which, which characteristic, maybe like top one or two, do you think God uh, thinks is like the best? So peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, perseverance, all those things. Like, which ones do you think God really, like, thinks, like, this is, I mean, I don't know, maybe he thinks they're all cool because they're all fruits of the Spirit. But if there are, if there was one or two characteristics that you think God thinks is the best, which one do you think it is? Thanks for participating. Yeah, we, uh, recently I was, we kind of flipped that question a little bit. Um, I was in a life group with a bunch of my friends, and we asked each other of all the characteristics that God um, has, which one do we really identify with? And all of the same ones that you guys talked about tonight, a couple, uh, two in, in particular that I want to think about tonight, um, uh, or that came up in that discussion. One was... Uh, and one of my friends really liked the fact that one of the benefits that we get in knowing God is that uh, we have somebody to think. She's like, if I didn't know God, I don't know, who, like, I wouldn't have any appreciation in my life, you know? Um, another friend uh, uh, was thinking, uh, when, when they were sharing, I was thinking, like, what, what do I really appreciate of the Lord? And I, and I think I love his transformative power. Like God literally can take somebody who's destined for hell and do a radical thing in their lives and allow them to to have a totally different future, you know. Um, and that's kind of what I want to talk about a little bit tonight. So we're we're in a series where we're talking about um, just different highlights of the Christmas story, right? So we've been talking about um, reading scriptures in Luke and Matthew because they pretty much the only two sources we have that talk about the birth. Yeah? So I want to read a little bit, can we? So I want to read a couple passages in Luke and a couple passages in Mark. If you have your Bibles, you guys can follow along. Um, I want to read Luke chapter 1. We'll go 26 to 38. And then we'll jump over to Luke chapter 2 and a little bit of Matthew. And this is uh, just pretty much the, the Jesus story, Okay? And we're kind of looking for some themes. So um, I think Summer's group wins um, because I think, I don't know if God thinks of those more. Or I'm Blair too, Blair too. But that was her second. They said love first. So I'm just saying. Love is, love is actually definitely up there. Um, but I'm thinking humility. Humility is something that, um, like when you read scriptures, like some of the scriptures we're going to read tonight, um, God really looks at humility at something that not only did he model, but he, he highly exalts. Yeah, like God, God doesn't exalt the proud. God exalts the, the humble, yeah? God actually opposes the proud and gives what? Grace, right? Grace to the humble. Um, so I kind of want to just take some time thinking about humility tonight within the Christmas story, yeah? So, uh, Luke chapter 1, let's start at verse 26. This is the birth of Jesus, okay? 
so in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greeting, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Um, so just pause there. So we're talking about what? Humility, yeah? So right out of the get-go, we have the angel Gabriel showing up on earth, and he's talking to who? Mary. Mary's a teenager that nobody, that, that we've never heard about before, hasn't done anything like, at least, you know, um, good enough to, to make it into scripture. Like, we don't know anything about Mary's life up until this point. Um, the angel Gabriel shows up without, like, any glamour. Like, he doesn't announce it to the whole public. Like, if an angel shows up, you think he would come with, like, a host, you know, an entourage? Like, maybe he would show up to um, the kings and the queens of that time, right? Like, people of vast importance. But we find real early in this story that that. God sends the angel Gabriel to somebody of lowly stature. Later on, you're going to read that. Um, we're not going to read that section, but um, Mary actually says, like, she identifies with that. She's like, uh, in 52, she says, He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. He has exalted those of humble estate. You know, and she even talks about her own self. She says, For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold now on all generations will call me blessed you know like of the things that she was not or was she was humble you know like that's one thing that we see in scriptures that she was like what was something you know i've asked myself this like what was it about mary that got god's attention like what do we read in scripture right that get, get, sorry, let me say that. What is it in scripture that we can read, right, that God says, this will make Mary, um, like a job description, right? Like, she will be able to bear the Son of God because she has these things in her life. So what do we read that she has? Like, what is her, what are, what are her stats, you know? What is her achievements? What are the things that she's accomplished up until that point? And, and we don't really have anything about her. But we do have this one characteristic that she has that we know God um, looks at highly, and it's the, the quality of humility, that she had a humble estate, and God saw that. I mean, um, my favorite scripture is First. Uh, Samuel 16, verse 7. Like that whole section in there where God, um, the most uh, Samuel, hey, right there. So the prophet Samuel is um, going to anoint the second king of Israel, right? So uh, Samuel goes to um, King David's house. So this is when King David was just a little boy. Um, goes to his house, yeah, and is ready to um, anoint the next king of Israel. And they show up, and uh, the oldest son is brought forward. And Samuel, the priest, looks at David's oldest brother and is like, this guy 
is for sure going to be the next king. Like he's tall in stature, he's handsome, like he looks the part of the next king. But uh, when I was, I was reading this verse, probably, I think it was like maybe my f- freshman-ish year of high school. Um, all my friends had like their cool memory verse. Everybody have a cool memory verse? Some of you guys? No? No, none of you? Dang, who's your guys' pastor? Slacking. You guys should have like a memory verse. You're like, man, this is a memory verse where, where I feel like God really has spoken to me, yeah? I mean, there's great scriptures, and I have tons of scriptures, but this was the first one that really spoke to me, right? So in the midst of Samuel looking at David's brother, says like, Samuel's like, bro, this, guy this guy's got action, yeah? Like this guy looks like a king. The Lord looks at, uh, the Lord speaks to Samuel, and he says, uh, he's not going to be next king. Yeah, man looks at the outer appearance, but I look at the heart. When the rest of the world is looking for kings that look like kings, God was looking for a king who had a heart like a king, and even more so, a heart for the king. Amen? And where was David? Those who kind of know the story, where was David? He was a shepherd, and he was in the field shepherding. Like, David was so not even, like, he, he didn't have the accreditation, right? So the, the priest comes to the house. Linnea, pay attention. The priest comes to the house, and they don't even invite the youngest brother, you know? And yet, the youngest brother, yeah, who is the lonely kid out doing shepherding is the very one that God chooses yeah so when I think about humility I think about like what was it about Mary that really got God's attention you know and I think a little bit even right now as we're reading in the beginning of Luke that the angel Gabriel shows up with with no entourage to this little girl who at the time really hasn't accomplished anything and yet gives her his undivided attention pretty awesome and what did God respond to humility as a great achievement in her life okay let's continue so verse 30 the angel said do not be afraid Mary for you have found favor with God and behold you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him uh, the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Um, and Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel responded, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be called holy. And there again, what is found in there? Like how does, how does Jesus get born, or conceived at least? By the work of? Come on, come on, come on. How does Jesus get conceived in, or how does Mary conceive Jesus? Yeah, by the work of the Holy Spirit, and not by the work of Mary. So, like, I mean, think about, like, today, right? Mary is known as the, the mother of Jesus, right? That is her claim to fame. Yeah? Like, people know her, and, and, the, and, the, and the, the Catholic Church, like, really, like, 
plays it up where they're like, man, this, this lady is really, really important. But what was her claim to fame? The fact that God did a mighty work in her life. We don't read here that, oh, Mary, you got to make sure you pray a lot. You got to make sure that you read a lot. You got to make sure you go to church a lot. You got to make sure that you are always loving. You're always kind. Like, yeah, those things probably wouldn't hurt. But ultimately, she's known as the mother of Jesus, not because of anything special she did, but because of the special work that God did. Hey, that's a good word for you guys tonight. That's a good word for us. That we're special not because of our achievements, but special because of what? The work that God does in our lives. There's what, like six billion people on this earth? There's a lot of people that God can give his attention to. And the fact that if, if, if you are sitting here thinking like, man, I kind of have like some kind of understanding of who God is, that's, kinda, that's a, you're, you're in a small percentile of people who God has revealed himself to. And that is a cool thing. That invitation alone, yeah, is going to separate you from all the rest and separate you from hell to heaven. Pretty good, No. Pretty special, no? Yeah, like that is a cool thing to have on your job like application, you know? Like your resume, like what do you know? Who do you know? Well, I do know Jesus, and that's kind of significant, right? I mean, your boss probably would think you're like insane, and you might not get the job, but in the big scheme of things, like we're special not because of our achievements, but or, or Mary wasn't special because of her achievements, was special because of the, the work that the Holy Spirit did in her life. Okay, so let's continue. Um, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived the son. Um, this is the sixth month of her who has called who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Okay? So where does Jesus get born? In a manger. Okay, okay. He's following me? So Jesus gets born in a manger to uh, a young couple who's, you know, has like really not much of future in front of them. He gets born um, really with, like, nobody around him. Yeah, we get the, the three, or we get the wise men that come and visit him. Who, who's the first group that visits? The shepherds. Like, who's the shepherds? The shepherds are like nobodies, you know? Like, really, the, the, I don't know if you guys realize this. Like, so the beauty of Christmas is um, the term Emmanuel, yeah? And what is Emmanuel? Emmanuel means God with us. Yeah, so hundreds of years before Jesus ever came, the prophet Isaiah testified, unto you a child will be born, yeah, and they will call him Emmanuel, yeah, God with us. And that's the mystery, okay? That's the mystery now, that's the mystery then. And what is the mystery? That the God of the universe would show up on earth in what form? Yeah. Not the, like as a baby, 
Like, you think, like, if God came here, he probably should show up in the form of, like, a grown adult already. And not just, like, any grown adult. Like, a grown adult who's, like, fit, who's, like, able, who's, like, able to protect himself. Like, I love what Pastor Greg says uh, of, of pastors. Like, a job of a pastor is to lead, to feed, and to protect. You know? And I like, I like that. You know? I'm like, yeah. Lead. Like, it's real manly. You know? Like, feed. Like, I can kill stuff. Well, not that kind of feed. But maybe that feed, you know? Um, and, and protect, you know? And, and I think, like, Jesus does that. But when Jesus shows up, and he's not only able to do that, but when he shows up for the first time, he shows up as a a child, like, that just doesn't even make sense. I mean, I don't know of any other paradox that is open to man than God of, like, majesty and glory. I mean, we read about these things in Scripture, like in Revelation, about the multitudes of uh, people in creation worshiping him, the 24 elders who get off of their thrones, put their crown down and worship. And then the angels and the seraphs that fly around God and they, they have like six wings and they're covered with eyes. And then, you know, they're like, they're worshiping. And even in their worship, like there's like earthquake type of rattling because of their praise when they say like, holy, holy, holy. Like this is the type of God that, that he is. And then yet this God like chooses to show up on earth, like in an infant, like, like a child, like a child that, that can get sick, you know, a child that, I mean, back then there's no hospital, right? I mean, a child that can get sick, a child that is fragile, a child that could die, like a child that possibly could have been aborted, like fragile, you know, like humble, like Here, turn to Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read you another scripture. Um, Philippians chapter 2, let's go to verse um, 3. You guys there? Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. So this is Paul writing. He says, uh, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Pretty good proverb, yeah? Pretty good verse. Like, consider others before yourself. Like, don't try to put yourself before others, yeah? Um, Don't do anything out of selfish ambition, you know, but do everything with, like, pure motive, yeah? Yeah. He continues, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others, right? Like that's the the second command, right? Love God and love love others, right, Jordan? That's what you said earlier, yeah? So um, verse 5, have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God something to be grasped. You guys following me? So, so he's talking about how we should treat each other, like we should have humility, and, and, and how we treat each other really is of vast importance to God. And who is our example? Our example is Jesus. Jesus was in the form of God, yet he didn't 
Like he's a son of God, but he... Even though he had all the power and all the wisdom and all the abilities like of God, he, he didn't count himself an equal to God. Yeah? So follow me. Uh, verse 7. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. So who is this that's becoming a servant? Come on, guys. Who is this who is becoming a servant? Jesus. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the son of God, right? Like God himself, like God in the flesh. Like Jesus is, is the Emmanuel. He's, yes, he's the son of God, but he is God. And what role did he take when he came here? One, he didn't, he didn't choose equality with God, even though he could have. But in cho- instead of choosing equality with God, something that he could have chosen, he chose the opposite of equality. He chose to serve rather than to be served and worshipped. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve, okay? And, and, and how did he show his humility? Yeah? Before we read on, if you didn't read on, what is the answer to that? Like, what does humility look like? The humbleness of God. The biggest act of humility that this world has ever known. Yeah? To show up like a human. Okay? So it continues, and he says, but he emptied himself by taking, verse 7, by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of a king. Good? No, that's not good. That's not even what's there. Like when, God, when Jesus came, he was born into what? A royal family, right? With kings and queens and robes. And when he was born, he was in the palace, right? No. He wasn't a prince here, even though he was a king in heaven. Like he, when, when he showed up, he was born in, in humble estate. Yeah, not only did he choose equality with God, something not to be grasped, he emptied himself, taking the form of servant, and he was born in the likeness of man. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death. And even death on a cross. I mean, I think of like all the ways that, that people have died in human history there probably was no very few ways, if any, of a, a way in which you could die publicly and humiliating or humi- humil- humiliated. I don't know if there's any other way outside of being crucified on a cross that you would be more humiliated and more, well, maybe tortured. There probably are different ways, but Jesus got pretty jacked. I mean, if, if it was today, if they did crucifixions today, okay, I'm not sure if you guys kind of know what the crucifixion process is, but they, they, very few of them would get beaten first. Like Jesus was flogged, right? Like he was, he was whipped um, by rod 39 times because 40 was inhumane. So they would whip you 39 times just in case they miscounted, okay? So if you watch like the, the, the Jesus, um, the Passion of the Christ, you can actually count like, because they kind of hit it like 39 times. 
So he gets whipped with the rod 39 times, and then he kind of stands back up, maybe the other part, and then he gets whipped by the, like, the gnarly stuff, the bones and the glass another 39 times. So that, that stuff doesn't normally happen. Normally what happens with people who are crucified is, like the criminals, the two criminals that were uh, on the left side and the right side of Jesus, yeah, they, they, their hands get pierced, their foot gets pierced, and they hang there for hours, sometimes days, and they die of what? Suffocation. They get to a place where they're so tired that they can't hold themselves up anymore and they die from suffocation. So if, if it was today, if they did crucifixions today, right, they would do these things in public places. Like, what is the most public place up country? Would be like maybe next to the highway or Foodland or Mako Ave. And they would have a row of crosses. And these people would be an example to everybody else not to be like them. All you people who want to steal, don't steal because you're going to end up like this guy. All you guys who want to murder, don't murder because you're going to end up like this guy. If it was in town, it would be like Kaumano Avenue. And like in the movies, it shows Jesus with like his robe and stuff. But a lot of times in the past, they were like naked. Naked and crucified. You guys following me here a little bit? Like I'm trying to build this to you. Like in scripture, you have this sign where God is like, like Jesus is worshipped. He's the God of all universe. You read Colossians, and it says all things had been given onto him. You read John, it says in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. Like God spoke, Jesus, the word was there, and, and Jesus was the creator of all things. And how is the creator of all things not only not going to choose equality with God, something to be grasped, but he would humble himself, be born in man. And when he comes in human form, not only is he not a king in kingly form, he's like born into a poverty family. And then he grows up, right, in this poverty family. And then instead of going into the palace and being known as the, 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 the intellectual, right, everything he teaches, people are like, you're dumb. Show us a miracle. And he shows them a miracle, and they don't believe the miracle. And then he teaches them something cool, and then they don't believe what he's teaching. And so instead of choosing or instead of getting in return, right, he's loving, he's kind, he, he, he heals people, right? He restores people, he casts demons out of people, like, he does awesome things. Instead of getting, like, I mean, how many of you guys, you think if somebody was like that now, they probably would be famous, you know? They would get a ton of likes, like, they'd be Instagram famous, you know? Not only Instagram famous, they'd be YouTube famous, you know? They probably would be, like, news performance, like, Right? Like if he would travel, like millions would show up to see him speak and do miraculous things. It's happening right now. It happens right now. The other night I was talking, I was, I was watching this, this infomercial and I was like so broken hearted. But this preacher was preaching and just asking people for money and money and money. And if you send in money, you're going to be blessed. And these are the kind of guys who go into foreign countries and they preach this kind of gospel. I've seen this video of um, these preacher guys going out. And, and doing healings and doing miracles in foreign countries. And I'm telling you, millions, I'm, like, I'm not even exaggerating. There was like um, this, this one video I was watching. And, and I'm not sure if these, I'm not going to judge these guys in particular. But I just want to give you an example. Um, shucks, I should have brought it tonight. But I wasn't going to use this example. But anyway, there's this picture of this, um, this stage. And the stage is pretty big. Probably, probably the length of our church. You know, maybe the, the 
maybe almost the size of all the chairs right here. And there's kind of, there's maybe like the band is on there and, you know, there's six, seven preachers on there. And, it's, and they're spacious. Like, you know, it's a pretty big stage. And the camera like does a wide out, like it kind of pans back. And then like it kind of shows the crowd a little bit more. And there's two huge movie screens, the size of the stage showing the preachers. And it's just people. And then the camera like pans out more. And there's two more screens further out, like huge movie screens. And then the cameraman pans out further. And those screens are just like TVs. And it's all people. It's all people showing up to to see what these guys can do and hear the prayers that they can pray and see the miracles. Like you think like Jesus probably should have had that when he was here because if there's anybody who did miracles, it was him. Like he raises Lazarus from the dead. How many days after? Four days. Like this guy's dead. Even the believers are like, Jesus, come on. This guy's stinky already. Jesus is like, Lazarus, get up. And what is the result of that? One of the results of that is that they started even more so how to plot to kill Jesus. So Jesus comes back. He's as loving and as wise as he can be. And instead of getting the palace, he gets the cross. And this is the story of Christmas. That Jesus showed his humility when he took on the flesh of man. I know there's a lot of characteristics out there. But one that I want to focus on tonight within the story is like the opposite of pride. The opposite of selfishness. So listen to some of these promises, okay? So Colossians 3.12. Paul says, put on humility. I mean, he says some other things, right? But ultimately, as God's chosen people, holy and beloved, Paul says, Put on humility. Like, like in the morning, when you clothe yourself, don't only put on a shirt and pants and shoes, but put on the straight out of church. You like this shirt? Is it good, huh? Is it like this? No? It's like that. Anyway. Awkward. Um, put on humility. Like don't forget to leave your house with humility. It's accessible to you, right? It comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. It comes through a deep understanding. I wouldn't say a deep understanding. An understanding that the God of the universe is paying attention to you. Amen? That God is paying attention to you. Like how can I be humble to others? Like how can I serve others? How can I think of others before myself? Who is my example? Jesus. I don't care how irritating somebody can be or how aggro somebody can be or how selfish somebody can be. I can 
be humble towards them. I can think them more highly than myself. Why? Because when Jesus did that to me, it's as opposite, it's as black and white as anything we've ever seen in this universe. That the God of the universe would come and and serve us in this manner. Okay, here's a cool promise. Um, Blair, Proverbs 22.4. The reward, so this is King Solomon, yeah, one of the, the wisest men ever to walk this earth. Um, you know, it's kind of cool, a, a little side tangent. They did this thing of the richest people who ever lived. Like the, I don't know how they would, like, but they had some kind of calculations of the rich people in the world. And Solomon was like top 10. Pretty cool. He was the top? Number one? $2.1 trillion. The next closest was 600 something billion. Yeah. Anyway, side tangent. Solomon was rich, okay? He's not only rich in money, but he was rich in wisdom because he got the wisdom of God. And he said this, right? So Proverbs 22, 4. Humility um, is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. So it's a little different version than the one I read earlier, but um, really, ultimately, it's saying um, the reward for humility is riches, honor, and life. Like, that's what Solomon's like, you want to be rich? Be humble. You want to have honor in life? Be humble. You want to have extended life? Be humble. And I would say not only in this world, but you want to talk about eternal? Yeah. Like something that God looks at. Right? I mean, we understand we get God's attention by when we pray, right? We pray, we give God's attention, boom. Like we get it. But when God is looking at people, he looks at character. And one of the characteristics that really God looks at is like, man, that is awesome. Because why? My son was like that, is the characteristic of humility, right? Humility, the opposite of pride, the opposite of selfishness. Like rather than being self-indulgent, you care more about others than yourself. And why is that so important? It's because Jesus was like that. Yeah? Jesus was like that, and this is what the season is all about. Um. Okay, a couple that I uh, talked about earlier. Um, so First Peter 5 and 6. So Peter says, Clothe yourself with hu- humility, for God opposes the proud and gives grace to the, the humble. Okay, so what's the opposite of humility? Pride, right? You're like, I don't want to be hum- humble. Well, you're going to be prideful. Like, you cannot be either or. I mean, you cannot be both. You cannot be both, right? You got to be either or. If you're not humble, you'll be prideful. And so God opposes the proud, but he gives what? Grace. What is another word for grace? Yeah? Or definition. Like his unmerited favor. Like God will give you favor, yeah? If you consider him first, if you consider others first, and if if we choose to, to serve him in that capacity. Amen? Um... 
Okay, how's this one? So Luke, Luke 7, 28, Jesus says, of people who have been born, no one is greater than Jesus. Try not to put that up yet, Blair. Don't put it up yet, okay? So Jesus says, of, of people who have been born, nobody is greater than John the Baptist, like his cousin. It's a pretty heavy statement from Jesus, right? Like, who's the greatest, okay? And what did John say? What is the statement like? And, and some of you guys have heard this, right? So, uh, so John was asked, right? Um, his disciples came to say, some of John's disciples came to John when John was baptized and said, hey, more people are going to Jesus than to you. What's up with that? Yeah? And, G- and, and John gives like a great response. So John 3.30, this is a great memory verse, right? John says, I have to decrease and Jesus has to increase. Like John says, it's not about me. It's all about him. It's not about me and my accolades and how many people I disciple and how many people I lead to the Lord. It is all about Jesus. Yeah? So Jesus says, of, G- of John, like there's nobody greater than him. Yeah? Like all those born of women, John is on the top. Yeah? And then Jesus goes on to say, like, there's actually people who can go above John. It's kind of a weird statement. Should I put that verse up, Blair? Um, Luke seven twenty eight. He says, of these born of a woman, no one is greater than John. Yet, drum roll, yet the one who is the least in the kingdom is greater than he. Yeah? Like this is the guy who like baptized Jesus, you know? Like Jesus shows up and he's like, you're gonna baptize me, John. He's like, what? No, not a chance. Like I can't even touch your sandals. Like which in that time was just this, this, this sense of like awe and reverence and wonder, you know? And, and it's a tough question, right? It's a tough question for us. I almost finished, okay? It's a tough question for us. Why? Because one, we have the God of heaven and judgment and we should what? Fear him, Right? Scripture says the beginning of wisdom, right, is a healthy fear of the Lord. And at the same time, we have a God who's saying, like, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and you can find rest for your soul. Like a God who's inviting, a God who's loving. And so we kind of have this, like, man, what is our response? I feel like our response is humility. To come to the baby Jesus, right, with humility and awe and wonder. To come to the adult Jesus with his teachings, his love, his miracles, with awe and wonder and reverence. And then in the end, when we see Jesus in his glory, I promise you this, there will be no prideful people on the last day. Scripture says that all will bow their knee. Yeah? All will bow their knee. The challenge is, will we choose to bow our knee here 
Because later, you won't need to, ta- you won't need to have faith anymore when we're in heaven because you're going to see him in glory and people will know that all of this is true. But the challenge for us, right, is to approach God in this life with humility and awe and reverence. Like, so when you spend time in prayer, like, what does this mean? When we spend time in prayer, we're not just praying out of obligation, right? Like, oh, frick, whatever, I'm going to pray today. We approach God with prayer. Why? Because he invites us to pray. He tells us to pray. He instructs us to pray. He taught us how to pray. Why? Because he wants to help us. He wants to be loving. But he's not just going to do it without our participation. I mean, sometimes he does. But I think God is a relational God, right? He wants to partner with us, which is crazy that a God of the universe would want to partner with me. Like, that's humility, you know? And he asks us to respond in humility. So what is the most humble thing we can do? Is to receive his invitation. It, uh, how many of you guys are servers? Like you guys really like serving people. Like helping people. Anybody like that? Don't raise your hand if you're like, not about it. Yeah? Okay, some of you guys are real honest. Okay, those, raise your hand, nice and high. If you really enjoy serving, nice and high. Okay, of those with your hands raised, okay, how many of you guys equally like when people serve you? How many of you guys would rather be servers than being served? Yeah, it's kind of difficult, right? To have people like at your like disposal, right? Like making you food or, or, or like, taking care of you. Like you would rather be the rest of you who didn't raise your hand, you guys are like, no way. I totally would rather have somebody serve me. I don't know what you guys are looking at, but, okay. Which is not a bad thing, but it is maybe more, for those who ra- rose your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand, okay, about liking the fact that you get to serve people. It is as hard or even more of a humble thing to let people serve you in return. Because that, that is the image we have. God served us, and because he served us, he calls us to serve one another. Okay? Um, last verse for tonight. So John chapter 3, right after John uh, says, I must decrease and Jesus must increase. I want to read to you um, what, he re- what he reads after that. So John talking to his disciples right after he says, um, I must decrease and Jesus must increase. He says in verse 31, he who comes from above is above all. He who, he, he who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in earthly ways. He who comes from above in heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. 
Yeah? And verse 36 is, is a verse I want you guys to think about as your takeaway verse. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Is that present tense or future tense? I like that. Okay? Most people think that judgment will come, the wrath of God will come when? Later in life. Like when all of this is said and done and we stand before God in glory, God's going to hand out judgment and the wrath of God is going to be poured out. But according to this scripture, for those who don't believe, you stand condemned already. Jesus said, if you're not for him, you are against him. You cannot be in the middle. Yeah? Like we cannot be both prideful and humble. Maybe as humans, I don't know. Sometimes we can humble acts, but I don't know if you're a humble person. I don't know. But I'm thinking that eventually one of those will surface more than the other. <clears throat> so my, my, just my, my uh, encouragement to you in this Christmas season, yeah? It's not to get distracted by all the gifts and shopping. And I know a lot of you guys are in school and just finals. And praise God that that's going to end pretty soon. Amen? Okay? It'll end soon. Christmas break is around the corner. It'll happen. Okay? But even in the midst of your schoolwork, spend some time thinking about the fact that Jesus came here to reveal himself to us. And that's a cool thing. That is the most humbling act that this world has ever seen. And it still is the most humbling act that we've ever experienced. Not only did God reveal himself as a child 2,000 years ago, but God still reveals himself to us now. Why should the God of the universe give you any attention? And yet he still does, right? Like, what is it about us that deserves any of his attention? Nothing, really. And yet he still chooses to give us attention, to give us love, kindness, forgiveness, grace. That's humility. That's being humble. Like our God comes and he serves us. Think about that this Christmas. And maybe instead of giving somebody a gift wrapped up in presents, which isn't a bad thing, maybe find a way to give somebody a gift that looks more like Jesus' gift to us or God's gift to us in the form of Jesus. Jesus came and he served. Amen? Maybe this Christmas season we can show the a better measure of God's love for other people by serving others, being kind to others, not being selfish and prideful and all about me, but maybe instead of your parents getting you something, because they probably will, do something cool for your parents. You know? It is not a bad thing to be loving in your own house. You know? Rather than being a servant in the world to homeless, which is not a bad thing either, Maybe serve in your own household. 
like maybe a little bit less eye rolling, you know, a little bit less lip service to your parents. Like take out the trash. What? Take out the trash. You know, maybe just being humble because God has been humble to us and he loves us and he serves us. We can do that in return. Amen. Um, cool. That's all I got for tonight. You want to pray? Good. Let's pray. Um, Jesus, thanks so much for tonight, Lord. We thank you that you've revealed yourself to us, God, in the form of a child. It's not even comprehensible, God, uh, for us to understand what is happening in there. Um, but we, we do understand, God, that you are here, that you're with us, God, that you've chosen to serve us, Jesus, and, uh, and we love it. We wouldn't be able to live without it. And so we just invite you. We invite you, God, to continue to do your mighty work in our life because without that, God, we, we wouldn't be able to, to survive. Um, so continue to be loving, God. Continue to be kind. Continue to be gracious, God. Thank you that you are forever forgiving as we approach you, God, with repentance and reverence, God. Um, continue to forgive us, God, of our sins. Continue to strengthen us, God, so that we don't fall again. Um, yeah, we just invite you, God, to continue to do those things. And, and in return, God, give us the strength to do that very thing for others. You've forgiven us, God. Help us to forgive others. You've loved and provided for us, God. Help us to love and provide for others, God. You've given many of us, God, um, uh, loved ones around us. I know not, not many of us have a father and a mother in the same household, God, but whether we're living with mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, auntie, uncle, man, whoever it is, God, that is around us, help us to, you know, maybe rather than just buying them a present, show them the presence of Christ, God, by our actions. I mean, I hear it all the time that junior high, senior high, college age can be some of the most selfish people on this planet. Uh, and God, I pray that it, this would be different. I pray that, that we here in this room, God, wouldn't be known as that. Maybe this coming Christmas season, God, we can turn an, an, a, new, a new leaf, God, and be known as somebody who serves somebody who is humble, somebody who thinks others more important than themselves. And uh, to all these things, God, we ask that you would be glorified and we pray that because of these acts, people would come to know who you are. And uh, yeah, we love you, God. Um, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.